Hello and welcome. I'm Sofiko and this is Creative Minds Speaking, a podcast where I have conversations with creative industry professionals, bringing into the spotlight those incredible people who are behind the scenes of art and entertainment is the main goal of this podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to chat with JJ Connor. Currently, he's based in Los Angeles. He is founder at the artist management company called Faceless Management. And last year, he spent as a digital marketing associate at M-Theory Company. Hi, JJ. Thank you for finding time and being on the podcast today. Hey, what's up? Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I've seen a lot of my fellow Berkeley people do this so i've been waiting for the call up to the big leagues <laughs> <laughs> there is no way i wouldn't invite you here jj <laughs> so could you please share how was your journey in the music industry so far i guess like everyone i was like a kid who developed a passion for music and it was just a passion for a long time like i was always the kid who wanted to be the one finding the music and giving it to my friend group. Um, I never thought that that was anything weird. Like, I never thought that it was a passion. I just thought it was something that everyone liked to do or something. So, uh, but anyway, so I went to college, um, didn't really know where I wanted to go with my life. Like, time, the clock was ticking and my parents were like, we got to figure out what you want to do and all this stuff. So, um I don't know. I was going to school for economics. I, at one point, I was trying to be a dentist. I don't even know why, where that came from. That was a that was a weird chapter for me. I didn't. Anyway, so uh, I ended up uh, deciding that music was something that I wanted to do. I just started putting it out there, um, like saying it out loud. I know that people talk about that all the time, speaking things into existence, but. Um, I really did like that's what you got to do especially in the beginning so I was talking to one of my buddies at my sister's wedding um, we were just having this deep conversation about what we want to do with our lives I feel like all those kids at that age at 20 are stressed out so that's a t like common topic of conversation um, so we were just like kind of opening up to each other and I was like yeah I don't know how I'm going to do this but I want to work in music anyway that was just a conversation we had and he didn't really respond like it was just a normal conversation. Um, nothing ever happened. And six months later, that same guy who I was talking to remembered that I had said that and tagged me in a Facebook post of this young manager in L.A. who was looking for college students to be on a street team. Um, and he tagged me. He's like, I think this could be something that you're interested in. Obviously, I jumped on the on the opportunity. I emailed the guy and he was like a mutual friend. Obviously, that guy knew him. So um, he introduced us and I got on the street team while I was in college. Like a lot of people in the music industry, street teams are the, a good way to get in. Um, the manager was managing this artist named Zoo, Z-H-U, this DJ. Um, it was before Zoo had put any music out. So he sent me a box of all these stickers and promotional posters and stuff and all I did my whole job I just went around my college campus and put the stickers up and that was cool and I took pictures and sent them back um I thought I was like killing it in the music industry <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so 
after about a year of that and sharing links on socials and, and all that stuff, I asked him if I could if I could intern for him in LA. Uh, I got a quick no from his assistant. I don't even think mm-hmm. the email got to him. And then I said something like, I don't know the digital equivalent of getting on your hands and knees and begging, but I did something like that over email. <laughs> um, and I ended up getting a response from him and, and he asked me a few questions and long story short, I ended up going there for first for the summer to LA, which was insane to me. Like I landed in LA and it's like, wow, this is really happening right now. This is wild. So he's a artist manager. He works in electronic music, which is what I really love. Um, it's kind of my like niche. And from that moment that I got into the house, it was a bunch of these guys, six or seven guys who lived in a house in LA, um, just managing dope artists. And I knew that that's exactly what I wanted to do. So that kind of started the whole chain reaction of where I am now. Um, I know that's a long-winded way of starting the story, but it kind of sets the stage for mm-hmm. why I'm so into management and stuff and being able to see like a 26 or 27-year-old guy be super successful um, managing cool artists on his own independently. It just lit a fire in me. So that's always what I've wanted to do since. Um, but yeah, so then I went back to college, had no idea what I was doing, and I just knew that I wanted to manage artists. Um, and I started reaching out to people on SoundCloud, like random producers from all over the world, and just like, yo, I just want to be your manager. And it was so cringy looking back, but <laughs> eventually <laughs> there's nothing else you can do, you know, like you have no leverage. So I would just basically tell them I'll work for you for free. You'll get I mean, I'm assuming what I can offer you is better than nothing. I'm not positive, but I think it's better than nothing. So you don't pay anything and you can get something that's at least net positive. So um, I started doing that and one one thing led to another. I started working with a couple artists. Um, The way I was thinking about management was like, in order to build a network as an independent person, you have to have some sort of product, you know, like I can't just hit up a record label and be like, hey, I'm JJ. And that's the mm-hmm. whole, you have to be like, Hey, I'm JJ. I have a work with this artist who I think would be a great blah, 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 you know? So I needed to get something that I could attach myself to, to start networking and building contacts out. Um, so I did that with management for like a year, really small artists, whatever. Um, and then I got a job working for a music blog in Denver after graduating college. All the while I was like, trying to do this management thing that's like been the one thing that I've always tried to do um, I've needed jobs in the meantime because management's really hard to make money in, in the beginning so I've had a m- bunch of jobs but eventually I ended up at after that job I ended up at Berkeley where we met um, which was sweet it was like the coolest year ever right <laughs> it was pretty sweet um, living in Valencia um, and then I ended up getting a job um through berkeley like almost directly through berkeley um in those in the last semester of school every friday as you know we'd have someone from the music industry come and lecture us and then we could go out and grab drinks with them or they'd have some sort of post lecture thing where we could all hang out um got introduced to this guy named ed pito um it was weird man like that like couple years everything was just aligning like i had applied to this company m theory earlier that day and then he comes i just was a cold cold application and then he comes and we're out to drinks and he's like yeah i do consulting for this company called m theory and i was like whoa this is crazy so 
I told him that I just applied and we had been like kind of bantering at drinks, getting along well. And he said, yeah, send me your resume. So then he just kind of put it to the top of the pile at M-Theory and I ended up getting the job like a month later, um, which is just wild because I didn't even want to go to those drinks. But he sometimes yeah, I you gotta remember, just put I remember I was there and I think when when he mentioned M Theory, one of our friends, he texted you, right? So you could come. That's yeah, exactly. That was the truth. Yeah, I just remember I wasn't even at the drinks. Like I had told him I applied to M Theory and then Ed mentioned it and then John was like, dude, get your ass down here. <laughs> I just talked about M Theory. So then I sprinted downstairs. They were luckily right outside the corner. That's yeah. so funny. Yeah, that's another thing. Like, I just remember being really cagey about everyone was getting competitive at the end of Berkeley. Like, everyone wanted jobs. Everyone was being, everyone just wanted a job. So it got competitive, and there's only an X amount of jobs in the music industry. So I was being really protective about the job. In my head, I was like, I'm not going to tell anyone because – is I really want this job and I decided to not do that and I wanted to share it with at least my good friend. I told John and Rohan and literally 10 minutes before they went down, I was like, mm -hmm. yo, I applied. And then they knew M Theory because I said that. It's just one of those things you always get. Like, I think it's more beneficial to be open and, and for helping each other like i did it with the intentions of uh, maybe they could get the job too or there's internships available and then it ended up back like coming back right around in the in the mat that was a quick karma that was like a 15 minute karma. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes karma takes long that was instant karma which is sweet it's very sweet i love it so as we mentioned already you spent last year as a digital digital marketing associate at mm -hmm. m theory so can you tell us how was it? Um, what was the job about? What's what what is M theories about, and what responsibilities you had there? Yeah, for sure. So um, I'll start with I guess M theory in general. So M theory is a company that basically what they do is it's kind of like a co-management company, but it's like an artist management services kind of consulting company. So let's say you manage a roster of five artists you know and you're growing and you're growing and the things about artist management is that cash flow is so sporadic like it's it can depend on your because you're getting paid when the artist gets paid there's no like in your label your money your your music is always generating money you know and then you pay out the artist semi-annually or or quarterly or whatever it may be um but when you're an artist manager you're getting paid when the artist gets paid so anyway the um M theory, the founders of M theory realized that that was a big problem in scaling management companies. Cause in order to scale, you need cash, you know, you need to be able to pay up employees salaries and, and fund new projects and all that stuff. So basically what they did is they created a company in which they go on deals with management companies. They can take on their entire roster or select, it depends on every deal, but what they do is they they go on like a co-management deal. So when you sign with M Theory, you M Theory has a deal with the artist manager, so they're doing some sort of revenue split, and then they can have access to all of M Theory's resources. So a lot of the M Theory people are very, extremely well, well connected, or they have the financial backing. So and they also have like people where I was like lower down on the employee level that can be assigned to your team. So now 
you can have three people on the artist team that you really need or three or four or five plus all of the background that M theory can afford, like in terms of connections and, and industry plugs and things like that. So it's a really interesting company, the business model. Um, it's like the way I describe it is when you're an artist manager, one of the unforeseen benefits, like obviously being able to scale and getting people, but what makes M3 special is like when you're working with an artist and you're their actual manager, like you found them and you're obviously, if your artist is successful and you've discovered them, it's there's a, usually a long time between that. You're obviously super close with your artist. And with that comes a lot of things that, a lot of responsibilities or other things that aren't necessarily about music. Like you become their friend and confidant and there's a lot of extra things that you have to deal with that isn't what you would think an artist manager is. Like, oh, I broke up with my girlfriend. I'm so depressed or I don't know. That's just a random example. But anything like that, mm -hmm. that can honestly clog your workflow and your bandwidth. You only have so much bandwidth. So with M-Theory, it's kind of hands off. And that department, we because they already have their manager. Um, so it allows M-Theory to kind of take two steps back and look at the whole project with more of like a scientific lens or a fine tooth comb. And you can, without all the distractions of like booking flights or or like those immediate necessities, they can like pull the, pull the, uh, the curtains back, look at 12, 18, 36 months and then reverse and look at the goals and then kind of reverse engineer them to today. Um, it's cool. It's a little bit hands-off, which I like to be hands-on with artists. But yeah, that's another story. But in terms of what I did there, so they actually have a, a like a kind of a label, like a distribution arm of the company now um, where they distribute. It's kind of similar mindset to the, to the, to the artist management. So like, let's say... We're like a distributor, essentially, but we do label services and things. So, um, for example, we distribute all Future Classics music, which is Flume's record label, but they have a bunch of other artists as well. So all of their music comes through the M-Theory pipeline, which gets marketed um, to DSPs and distributed, of course. Um, so that's kind of where I ended up falling. It's not something that I really knew in Berkeley that I wanted to do, but... But yeah, so I ended up on the digital team on do, doing DSP marketing, which is basically whenever there's releases coming out through the M-Theory distribution pipeline, they have to be marketed to Spotify, to Apple, to all these different platforms um, to make sure that they're getting the playlist love that they need or getting the exposure that they need on those platforms. So um, that was something that I did for, for the past year. Um, it's pretty interesting. Like... Most people don't even know what a DSP is. Like my family, I have to tell everyone what that is. <laughs> Obviously, you and I do, but so most that's another like, thing. Explaining to our friends and family what we are doing. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's crazy. Like, at working in the music industry, it's an interesting industry because almost everyone interacts with it on a daily basis like fans you know like everyone is deeply in, in as far as they're concerned deeply embedded in this industry and it's a huge part of their life um, unlike other industries like airlines or something obviously we use them but it's not like a passionate thing that the users have they may come in contact with it frequently but for people who for an industry where so many people engage with it and it's a huge part of their life 
no one has really a clue how it actually works. They just see mm-hmm. the song on their Spotify and they're like, oh, there's this this fruit that I can just grab. But they don't understand that yeah. that tree was planted six years ago. And then it's been a team of people watering this tree so that six years later, this beautiful song fruit can just fall in front of your face. But I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. So China, China, I don't just made that up. That's not a fun part. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense, but it makes in one of the goals of my podcast is to show those people who are behind the scenes and like kind of explain what we are doing and how much work it is in the mm-hmm. music industry. Yeah, so I'm happy yeah. you mentioned it. For sure, it's crazy. Like, yeah, it's kind of crazy that <laughs> nobody knows. Or they they go to a show, you know, they see a show and it's amazing, an hour and a half, and to them it's an hour and a half. But to the people who made that team, it could be two years that they were working on that show for, mm-hmm. for an hour and a half, you know? Um, mm-hmm. the, the music industry, it's like an iceberg. There's this pretty, like, thing on top of the water, but there's this giant underbelly of millions of, or thousands of people working to make it to make it happen. It's cool. I kind of yeah. forget what we were talking about before that. So, yeah, I mean, it was th- th- that's a great job. Like, um, it's really outward-facing like you get to build relationships with people at DSPs and you're constantly on the phone. It's kind of sales, you know, it's sales. Um, mm-hmm, the product mm-hmm. is the song um, and you need to build relationships with the people. Generally the way it works is you'll have label reps. Um, your company will have a label rep at X at Spotify for, for example. Um, and then you just have to manage and build that relationship with them um, and get them involved and invested in your, what your artists have going on and letting them know that, it's not just, hey, we need the cover of New Music Friday. It's, hey, we're doing X, Y, and Z outside of Spotify in order to bring new fans into your ecosystem. So it's like this symbiotic relationship rather than this transactional relationship. Um, mm-hmm. And that's something I think that separates a good DSP marketer from a not great DSP marketer. Something where it's like quid totally. pro quo rather than, hey, please give me the cover of this playlist. Here's the image, you know. For the for the cover being like really leading them on. Here's the image if you need anything, if you need it for anything. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, letting them know how you're benefiting them as well is huge. Yeah, thank you for such a big answer. You literally covered everything about M theory. I wanted to ask. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm talking uh, too much, I know this is a podcast. No, 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 no. It's great. Sense, it's great. I okay. love when my guests talk a lot. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that you um, really like a hands-on uh, approach, and that's mm-hmm. what you've been doing for many years already. You're a uh, founder of a management company, business yeah. management. Uh, do you want to talk about that a little? Yeah, I guess to answer your first question, like the hands-on approach, I don't know. It's probably not for everyone. I know a lot of people that I've talked to in the music industry, like, they say I would never manage an artist. Like I would never do that with my life. There's so much other stuff that goes into it. And the artists are such divas and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, for me, knowing that I was there from the creation of the song and helping with like notes and production and then get finding a vocalist for the producer and then tweaking the lyrics and building this with the artists back and forth. When that song comes out and you hear it in a show or you, people are hitting you up on socials, like 
it's a much different feeling than having sent it to blogs as a PR person. Not to discredit any of those, but like I just feel much more connected to the whole process and it just seems like you have a lot more ownership of it as a manager than you would as as any other I don't want to say one thing in specific, but I think any other position. Um yeah. which is something that I find really satisfying and maybe it's selfish or something, but I want to be as involved as possible. That's what you love. Things. No, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it depends on the artist. Obviously, like you can read, I've worked with a handful of art, of many artists, but in terms of management, they all have different degrees of how much shit they're going to take from a manager or notes or whatever. Um, so you just have to feel that balance and, and I try to ride the line as close as I can and get my words in there. But if they're like, yo, I got this, I don't want notes, then you have to kind of let them be. But yeah, in terms of the hands-on approach, that's why it's just the most tangible, instant feedback and feels good when things go good. But it also pendulum swings both ways. And when things go bad, you're like, shit, I fucking, I had something to do with that for sure. So it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. But yeah, in terms of faceless, I work with two, we manage three artists. Um, I work with, with two when my partner works on the other one. And then, so there's one that we both work on alone, not alone, but that we run point on. And then he runs point on Laiho. I run point on, on trails. And then we kind of work very, very closely together on our newest artist, Jero. Um, so what do you want to know about these guys? Like what we have going on or, or how we do it? Uh, yeah. Or um, maybe how you're how you even decided to start the company maybe let's start from the very beginning yeah, how you, sure. because you started it before going to berkeley so you didn't really have that much no, that much knowledge and experience at that point um, oh, yeah. how did it how did you start it and how did you find your first acts how did you discover these artists mm -hmm. how did how did the process go of um like getting in touch with them and like building this relationship to the point that they were like yes we want to be to work with you okay for sure um so i mentioned it earlier briefly but when i was in college i got back from that internship and i was like i really want to be an artist manager i was actually reading through some old facebook messages with the, one of the guys there and it was i was maybe 20 21 right when i got back and i was just like man i know this is the job for me like i just got to figure out a way to do it like i really this is the only thing i want to do which i was just reading it yesterday which was just so funny because i'm doing it now at least to some degree so it was cool to see that it was so such a little guppy but uh but yeah so i went to i just started dming people on soundcloud um eventually i found these this guy um His name was Mindsight. He was a very small German producer. And I, I reached out and I said what I said. Uh, I said, like, I'd love to help you out. I don't really know what I'm doing. I didn't say I don't know what I'm doing. I used my, <laughs> I used my, I fake it. And I told them I worked for this manager last summer who has these huge acts. And that was enough to get me in the door. And then I started trying to do anything I could. And that, I sent some pretty... Uh, pretty cringy emails that I have in my in my inbox where like I just would email legitimate people in the music industry 
like I don't know how I would get their email and I would just email them like this super long detailed email like out of the blue and I look at it now and it's just the most embarrassing thing ever but you literally <laughs> you all start somewhere yeah uh, it's crazy <laughs> like I forget who it was but I was like this guy is the next huge thing like you really need like get on our team now for the opportunity of a life or something I don't even know what I said but when I read that I like wanted to crawl in a hole um like years later but but yeah I literally did not know what I was doing but the thing is is that you learn while you go that's the thing there's no school I mean we went to Berkeley for man (laughs) before that it was years there's no school for this stuff there really isn't even in those classes like I loved every second of it but doing it it, you're gonna learn so much more from just doing it that's the one thing if anyone's listening who's thinking about getting into the music industry like you just gotta do it there's no yeah there's no other about that I feel like sometimes, because I didn't have any music experience before, I mean, on the business side, before going to Berkeley. And because you did, sometimes you would ask such smart and deep questions that I, like, they never even crossed my mind because I never did this. And I was like, oh my God, how did did he even think about it? And I think because you did, uh, did have some experience before, you probably get even more like advantage of Berkeley school than even I did I guess I don't know you mean like get got more out of it yeah uh, yeah I mean I don't know like I said I just think that th- that stuff is all great like learning about the theory and I think contract law and classes like that are super important but um, and then you can't really learn that unless you learn it from someone you know but something like artist management it's such a Obviously, you need to have a good artist and a good legs to stand on, but it's such a feel type of thing. Like you need to mm-hmm. feel out how you're going to be communicating with people and where to push and where to pull and where you need to flex your muscle as the manager and where you need to like let things go. And it's definitely something that you can't learn without mm-hmm. doing it. It's such a feeling. And I don't, I've never even really thought of it before this conversation, but now that I'm trying to like verbalize it, it really is something that you need to just get familiar with and, and get into a flow and rhythm and figure out what works for you, like what plays off your personality and the way that you communicate with people. Are you really salesy? Or are you more like sending little one-liners, like teasing? I don't even know, but it's something that you can't really learn in school. So artist management, obviously I'm a stan, like I love artist management, but um, I think it really is something that you should do if you're trying to get in the music industry you learn you touch every facet of the of the artist world which is booking agents you need to know a little bit about touring you need to know a little bit about record labels you can build your network you need you can need to know about who like a and r like oh my artist is this size and we need a vocalist who has this feel like i need to be the, the one who can recommend those things to the artist so mm-hmm. in terms of like a crash course it's definitely one of the best things you can do. I think finding the artists is less important. Finding the perfect artist when you start is less important than just fi- like starting. But anyway, yeah, just manage somebody. Yeah, just manage any manager. Does your brother play piano? Just manage him or something. <laughs> Do you play the banjo? Start hitting up record. Li- no, don't do that. But <laughs> unless he's really good, of course. <laughs> Conquer the niche. But, so once um, you find these artists, how do you, did you build the relationship with them? Yeah, so I mean, 
it's weird. So the, in the beginning, it, I think something to note is like when you're independent, you need to leverage everything that you get. Every opportunity can't be wasted and it needs to be leveraged for a bigger opportunity. That's the way I've always approached. Like since I got that internship, since I was on the street team, I knew that that was my only opportunity to get in the music industry because I don't know anyone. I'm from Chicago. Like there's a, I'm so far from LA or New York. Um, but I knew that that was my shot to get in. So I knew that I needed to crush that and leverage and turn that into a bigger opportunity, which at the time was that internship, right? Mm-hmm. And then I turned that internship into this job in Denver because I like sold it up and made it seem like it was this big thing, even though it was, it was a great internship for someone like at at that age. But then you have, then I turned that thing into Berkeley. You know, I sold that, all that experience into getting into Berkeley. And then I sold the Berkeley stuff into the job at M theory. So I think that that's always the way that my mind works is what's the next, what, what door is this door going to unlock when I walk through? Um, I think that that's super important, uh, especially so the reason I bring that up is because with management, it's the same exact thing. So like I got I got that internship, right? And then I used that to to get in the door with the initial artists. And then you can work with them for a little. So that guy I started working with. And then the success that I had there, I immediately like got a new artist that was bigger because I was able to convince them that. I was worthy. And then you just keep doing that and you can keep working with bigger and bigger artists. So started working with this small guy and then he introduced me to this artist named Trails who I work with now. Um, he was like, Trails has been, I got to say, shout out Trails. He's been the one who, he's so incredibly talented and everyone fucks with him. So he kind of fell into my lap in a way and it opened like all the opportunities for me because everyone fucked with him in the electronic music scene and anyone that i reached out to because his music was so good it was like a it was like a master lock to a degree mm-hmm. everyone would respond to me and i was able to trails allowed me to build the whole there would be no like faceless if there wasn't for trails so shout out tomek um but but yeah, so I worked that into that and then in signing Trails and then Trails, like I said, opened up all these doors, um, allowed us to sign our most recent artist um, who I actually signed when we were at Berkeley. His name is Jero. He's a melodic house producer from uh, from Belgium. He's he's the man. Uh, really funny guy too and really good producer. Uh, we're super excited about him. And like, yeah, I, th- I think that that's the biggest thing is just never settling, like doing the best that you can with what you have at the moment, but never settling and trying to lev- like w- keep cracking the door open and then shoving yourself through to the next level. And then mm-hmm. eventually if you keep leveling up, you can just That's retire a on advice. a somewhere yeah. like you Zoom up. Call with your background. <laughs> <laughs> That's my goal. What you're doing in this Zoom call is my goal in life. <laughs> You're very close to that. <laughs> no, no. I... Uh, what would you say is your uh, the proudest moment as a manager so far? I don't know. I mean, before this year, my first really big proud moment was was when Trails played um, a showcase at Amsterdam dance event, and I like flew to Amsterdam to meet him for the first time, and even though it was like a 30 minute set and there was like not a lot of people there cause we were the first show. Um, 
I was just like, holy shit, I'm in Amsterdam right now because of a series of emails that I had sent over the past year has led me to be in Amsterdam. Like this is just blowing my mind. So that was the first one. And then this year we were, we had a huge year planned for, for Jero. Um, he was supposed to be going on tour with uh, Lane 8, um, this dope melodic. He's kind of like the godfather of the sound that Jero makes and he's taken him under his wing and he's been like a mentor to him and he releases the, his music on Lane 8's label and he's super supportive. He's the best. Um, shout out Lane 8. And he was supposed to go on tour with him all across Europe and play sick venues. Like we were playing Printworks was sold out in London, which is like one of the most iconic venues in London. Um, he was getting booked for Tomorrowland in, in Belgium, which is like 20 minutes from where he lives, which is like wow. his dream, like his end of his career dream was like one day I want to play it. And a year into our relationship, we were booking Tomorrowland. It was so crazy. But obviously everything got shut down. So we'll have to do this again in, the, in a year and I'll give you some big proud moments. But for right now, we're just keeping our heads down and he's writing an album. Trails is writing an album too. Um, so we're just in like super creative mode right now and just putting the business stuff on the side. Um, we're just trying to huddle up, make some cool shit. And then we can debut. Yeah, I feel like, world. yeah, it's the best time for just writing the music. And totally. Just it's going to all turn out emo because everyone's so emo <laughs> right now. <laughs> like both albums are just going to be dark, moody. No, maybe, maybe. It is so, it is. So. Yeah. <laughs> And recently, Jero had um, did a remix with uh, Pirit Biscuit. Am I pronouncing his I name? I don't know right? if anyone knows how to say that right. Some people say Petit Biscuit, Petit Biscuit, if you're European and cool. Us Americans say Petit Biscuit. It's not, it doesn't really roll off but the tongue. But it's also well. amazing. This artist is so big. Yeah, I mean, that. it's just a, that one is a proof of, knowing sometimes knowing the right people is is and being in the right place at the right time is what can make those kind of moonshot marketing things that can really mm -hmm. pop something off um that was from rohan who originally was the one who texted me and told me to get downstairs for ed is talking about m theory he came through again a couple of months ago we were working at M Theory. Funnily enough, Ro, for those listeners, I don't know, but Rohan got the job at M Theory too. So we went to Berkeley together, met, and then we ended up working for the same company. I had told him about the position. He got the job. I got the job. It was sweet. Um, but he was started working on the Petite Biscuit team. And uh, obviously, J Rohan knows that I manage Jero. So uh, he threw Jero's name in the ring for the just innocently, like he wasn't pushing, but he had to provide a list of, of remixer options and, and he put Jero in there and he let me know that he was doing that. And then turns out Petit, his name is Mehdi. He really liked Jero and he hit us up and they, they asked us to remix and then they loved it. And Jero's such a freak, like he can make shit so fast. So I'm sure they're doing like a more but he finished his so fast that they were like we'll just put this out now which is awesome because it got the attention of a single you know it didn't have to get buried in a package where jero is although he's a great producer um he's smaller than probably some other people that would be remixing someone like petit so like the the ability of, or the opportunity for it to come out as a single was huge and you can only submit 
one song and to release radar for spotify mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from an album even so we definitely wouldn't have got that he has such a massive release radar so it's going well so far i think it has like came out friday it has like two hundred fifty thousand streams already which wow is definitely his biggest release this today. is huge yeah we'll see i'm so proud of you jj thank you we'll see there's a lot it's like it's the first project not first project but it, 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 Gerald feels like it has uh, a, a lot of momentum right now, even with everything that's going on. So it's cool to feel that, like, it's kind of palpable. Like, you can feel when things are happening and people are hitting you up. So hopefully, I won't fuck it up and we can make it into a real touring project and break it open. But you can blame me if that doesn't happen. No, I never. <laughs> Um, do you want to maybe talk a little bit about electronic music in general, if you have something to say about that? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm definitely a huge electronic music nerd. Um, like, I don't know. I, I feel like, well, first of all, why, how I got into it. Um, I just started going, I didn't go to my first concert till I was 17. Like I was pretty late to the game. Um. I went to Lollapalooza. I got a ticket like the day before, back when Lollapalooza, you were able to do that when I didn't sell out in four seconds and then tickets became $800. I just bought a ticket the day before um, and I went and I was like, holy shit, this is the coolest thing. I went to Perry's tent, which if if anyone knows, that's like the electronic tent. It used to be an actual tent. I was like 17, never seen a concert before and I was just was seeing Skrillex in this tent and I was like what the fuck is happening right now this is the coolest thing I've ever seen and then it was like I had a great weekend and then it was just off to the races I probably saw 200 shows in the next like three years which is a lot for that age I was just going ham and then I just fell in love with electronic music like I always liked it I liked it before the shows but once you start going to all these shows and I would like just got super into it and i think that the reason is because there's so much when you're a band right like there's a guitar there's i love bands by the way i like i listen to a lot of other music not electronic but when you're a band you have a guitar a bass a keyboard maybe drums a vocalist there you're there's a finite amount of things unless you're getting crazy like an mgmt or or tame impala there's a obviously they're great producers as well but I think when you're an electronic music producer, there's an infinite amount of sounds that you can create using all these different plugins and whatever, filters and anything else, synthesizers. It's like the possibilities are endless. So it always feels fresh and there's a million... Electronic music is so broad. Like There could be a thousand genres in there that all go deep, deep into those genres. So... I just feel like it's this endless well of cool sounds. And I get, I think, like anything, you get a tolerance and you get accustomed to something and then you want to go deeper into it, you know, like any passion. So I get really into like sound design and I like really weird sounds and try to explore mm-hmm. the more wook, wook side of things, I guess you would say, in the US, like hippie, weird <laughs> bass music and stuff i think it's really cool um i'm always say i'm like a wook on the inside i don't look like one really but i would like <laughs> <laughs> my girlfriend used to ask me like 
what would you do if you won the lottery? I used to say like I would just go follow Base Nectar for six months and just look out. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just think that it, there's so many different genres, and I love all music. But it, my passion for electronic music comes from being able to hear what. Um, and are there certain countries where you see the coolest, biggest acts are coming? Uh, about electronic music, or it's very general. I don't know. I think that they can come from anywhere. Like, for example, mm -hmm. that's another thing too, is that there's no language barrier with electronic music. Like you can produce something in the middle of Amsterdam when you don't, I'm sure everyone there speaks English, but like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's no accent, there's no any hindrance. Like you can just create these sounds that resonate with people and melody is not a language. It is a language, but it's not, everyone speaks it, you know, like, If it hits you, then it hits you. So I think that that's a great unifier of electronic music too, is you can tour the world and everyone can resonate with your music and your chord progressions and your melodies and all that stuff. Um, it's really cool. You know, like you could be in a crowd of a thousand people speaking a thousand different languages and they're sharing an experience that you wouldn't be able to if it was an English speaking band that no one knew what they were saying. Obviously they can vibe out to it, but if you're dependent so much on your message coming from the words, mm -hmm. there's only a certain number of people who can resonate with it because they don't know the words, you know, that's something yeah. that also intrigues me about electronic music. That's so beautiful, JJ. I really loved our conversation and now we will move on a little bit from the music theme. We'll talk mm -hmm. a little bit more general But it's so like so much knowledge there, so so insightful. Thank you, really. Oh, um, my next question would be: What would you say are your life highlights in general, life, not necessarily music related or management related? Okay, I just got engaged earlier this year to Alani. You know Alani. You are literally um, one of the most beautiful couples I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm so excited for you guys. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I mean, it's kind of a weird year like to get engaged because it's mostly negative, but that was a sweet positive. So I would say that was definitely a highlight. Um, we had both our families there. It was just like the most COVID-y <laughs> social distancing <laughs> family, but it was awesome. Like we were on a boat and then and uh there was no covid there which is great it was covid free zone um but yeah we just that was just a highlight um and i don't know i don't really like think about things that way honestly like i'm trying to i have such high goals i don't know if i'll ever get there but i always think like i think i have a strong case of at least i'm talking about career stuff but like i have like a strong imposter syndrome I think, which is like, no matter what I get to, it feels like, oh, I'm, I'm tricking everyone. I, I may, I'm not actually supposed to be doing this stuff like I'm a fraud or like things like that. And I think, I think that comes a lot from being an independent, like you don't have the name of your company behind your back to like lean on. Mm -hmm. You're just like yourself. Um, so that kind of strips me of a lot of <laughs> celebrations where I'm just like all right whatever that was what it's like this huge goal for me in the beginning and then when I get it I'm like that wasn't even hard like that's not even something yeah. to be proud yeah. of like, I that, anyone could do that stuff so, so in terms of highlights I'd say their career highlights are all in front of me uh, I hope 
Um, and then personal, I've got to go home like five times this year because of COVID. So that was awesome. I don't know. Just chilling with family usually. I don't do anything crazy mostly. Mm-hmm. Berkeley was a pretty sweet year as well. Like that year in hindsight was just like the coolest thing ever. We just lived in Spain. I agree. Yeah, you were living your best life out there, I remember. (laughs) Um, How would you define a success for yourself? I think the first immediate success that I'm looking for is to build this business to a place where I don't have to do other jobs in the music industry anymore. Like that is the first of... I think that's where the game will really start, where I'm going completely full-time in management. That's like my first super, super goal um, for me and my partner to be able to do this full-time. Um, after that, everything. I honestly think after that, everything else is just going to be a bonus. Like I've always just wanted to be a manager full-time and like pay Mm -hmm. my bills and have a solid life if I end up making a bunch of money like that's cool but I was I'll know that I was happy just being able to do it full-time so I would say that would be the point where hopefully I never have to go hopefully things stay trending up and I don't have to go back but if I ever get to that point and it's sustainable then that would probably be a success for me that's what I always try to do you know I set low expectations (laughs) So that any, if I don't get there, it was okay. And like, or no expectations. You can't fail if you don't have any expectations for yourself. That is so true. Yeah. Uh, you reach for the start, you miss. Yeah, most of the time. We'll see. Do you have any book, movie, and song recommendations for our listeners? Uh, book? Oh, man. I don't know if you all can tell from this conversation, but I have really bad like ADD or ADHD. So books are like my worst Wait, nightmare. what is ADD? What does it mean? ADD is attention deficit disorder. It's probably the reason I've been jumping all over the place this entire conversation. And I can't remember questions and my brain just goes on all these different tangents and it's hard to focus. Um, so... Books are like mountains to climb for me. Like I read 10 pages. I'm like, I'm so bored. (laughs) Not bored, like even if it's good, but then like I have to read the same page six times because I'm thinking about other things. And I'm just, my eyes are reading it, but I'm not even downloading anything. Um, So books, I've read probably six books in the past three years, but like this one's really good. All you need to know about the music business for keeping it on brand. This is not a very fun answer at all. It's like a textbook almost. No, the the fun thing is that um, like two people probably recommended it already. So right, it, it means that it's a really long. good book. <laughs> it's like it's just like the Bible of the music industry. I'm trying to look. What else? If you ever read the book, The Curious Case of the Dog in the Nighttime. I read that in about seventh grade. Let me see if that's the real title. Let me look this up. <laughs> it's a really strange book. It was like blew my mind in seventh grade. It's about this guy who has, yeah, the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime. Go read that book if you just want to absolutely explode your mind. It's about this kid who has some sort of, I think, autism, but it's written almost like as if the author had autism. Like, you know how they think in completely different ways? So 
it's incredible for me it was fascinating to read it from like the perspective it wasn't about someone i can't fully remember but it was it was written from that feel so it was really interesting it was cool that's the only book i've ever like read in one sitting and it was like 15 years ago so i clearly don't read books how about movies and songs songs maybe something you really loved recently i've been super into the band uh sticky fingers from australia it's like australian reggae rock type vibes but really dope um another band that those are my two favorite bands are sticky fingers and this band called palace from the uk they're awesome they're like british rock really vibey spaced out sometimes it's like they can go from beach rock surf rock vibes to spaced out down tempo rock i don't know but they're really awesome that was the last show i saw before covid mm. um, so we'll see and movie and movie series? uh you know series movies i don't like i don't know I love movies, but I can never think of them when people ask me. I just watched all of uh, Love Island. Have you ever seen that? It's a show on Netflix? <laughs> it's like, uh, is it Netflix? It's Netflix or Hulu or something. But it's like the British version of The Bachelor, but it's not as cringy. It's like, uh, I, okay. I love trash TV. Me and Alani watch trash TV all the time. We're either watching like... Like last night, we went from this absolute garbage television show on MTV, like tra- people in a house, to a documentary about brain surgeons, and I was like, "Whoa, this, that's the, that's our two extremes. There's no like in between." Um, do you have a celebrity crush? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I would say my most recent, uh, my first. I'll go both. I'll go my first ever, and then my most recent. My first ever was. Kate Winslet from Titanic. I was like, oh my mm. god, this is she's. I was in love with her. I think that was my first love. And then uh, my most recent would probably be like Emily Radzikowski. I would say I have a big crush on her. She's so unique looking now, but it's over now. She has a baby. I have no chance. <laughs> it's official. I I was holding on. No. <laughs> Is that like broke so many guys' hearts around the world? Who all these guys who pretended they had a chance with her? They're like, no, their dreams come crushing. Oh my god, you're funny. Uh, what is the most useless talent that you have? I can do a Rubik's cube. Mm. It's really useless. Like even people that love me don't care. You know, <laughs> even like my family, they don't even acknowledge that it's cool. So, like, definitely strangers don't care. And the last question for today would be, who inspires you the most? That's a good question. I mean, inspires me? Like, I feel... Obviously, there's people who you try to model yourself after, like, in terms of business, you know? Like, uh, the one of the guys that I look after and try to emulate to it to a millionth of a degree is this guy named uh mo shalisi he manages marshmallow he like built that whole whole campaign and it was just like the biggest crush ever and he started out just managing djs really cool to see him go like independent uh independently and 
just do that whole thing is awesome to watch and i've been following him super closely like as a fan and just someone that inspires me that way but honestly like in terms of my personality and stuff like i think like i was watching this this is so random but i was watching that surgery show yesterday this guy was greek greek fetal doctor he like pioneered all the fetal medicine and he was just such a fucking boss like nicest guy ever but so calm and confident he got off he loved like helping people and i always feel like most inspired by those people who are like the unsung heroes and i'm like they want me to be they make me want to be a better person like also, they make me feel like a huge piece of shit because I just like play video games no. and do that like you're in cancer. <laughs> like, God. But like they do inspire me when I watch those types of – I feel like I get inspired by the medical profession a lot because they're so altruistic and they want to help people. Even And the music industry like doesn't really have that. So maybe it's something that I'm longing for. I feel like I'm in therapy. I'm coming up with all these things right now. But like maybe that's something that like – you don't really get fulfillment from in the music industry, but yeah, I like I, I like seeing those kind of stories. That's that's beautiful. Love this answer. <laughs> and uh, honestly, JJ, thank you for being here today. You're yeah, really, you. You're, you really are something, and you have the brightest future ahead of you for sure. You've like even up till this point, you had so much success already with your artists. You started literally from nothing. And you're really inspirational. And even though I know you, I feel like I learned a lot from this conversation today. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks. It was awesome. It was good to talk to you. Good to see you. Thank you, JJ. Bye. All right. Cheers. Bye-bye.